we're reflecting some more about um, ways and means or aspects of uh, carrying the the uh, the practice the teachings with us um, after the uh, uh, departure moment um, in a couple of days time um, one of the the aspects of spiritual life is that it it, it involves naturally a a lot of um, idealism we we create an ideal uh, of uh, how uh, we should be uh, what's the the best way to live the the, the most uh, helpful and beautiful attitudes to have how we should be there's a religious ideals are um, uh, you know, spelled out and uh, illustrated described you know, uh, so many times in so many different places in Dhamma talks and in books and just in uh, our own minds and our, our own memories so we we can create very clear and fixed ideals for ourselves but as uh, again quoting T.S. Eliot between the idea and the fact there falls the shadow <laughs> between between the idea and the fact there falls the shadow so the idea of how I should be or the perfect me or how uh, what spiritual life should really be like is one thing the ideal the, the um, uh, like the the Buddha image is the, the 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 Buddha here the, this Buddha image he hasn't had to adjust his posture once during the entire last uh, 11 days uh, since the 30, 31st of August hasn't wobbled once because the 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 rupa is an ideal actually that the the uh, that rupa hasn't had to adjust its posture since uh, about 19 uh, 2507 so that would be uh, about 1963 <laughs> when that was made because it's an ideal uh, the knees on on this image do not ache the back doesn't get tired the rupa doesn't need to eat or breathe. It's an ideal. It's a it's a, a fixed form, and um, and yet the 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 living Buddha, when the Buddha was alive, he he had to eat, had to breathe, had to to uh, walk around and, and be with people, and so was subject to the limitations of the the physical world and the uh, the the laws of uh, the natural world. So. When we look at our lives, uh, it's good to have ideals. This is why we have the the, the Buddha image you know, right in the center, a high place where we all look at it. Right? Ideal, ideal, ideal. This is <laughs> this is uh, how we should be, all sitting with utterly straight backs that are neither tense nor nor rigid nor bent over, uh, uh, utterly calm, serene, radiating kindness over the entire world. Uh, like the uh, sun awakening the lotus, etc., etc. Um, so ideals are useful. We put them in the center. We hold them up. We we uh, use that as a guiding principle. Just like the rupa is a guiding principle in this in this room, it keeps reminding us of the quality of uh, of awakened awareness. It reminds us the 
of the capacity that, uh, that as human beings we have the uh, um, say the potential the opportunity to be fully liberated to bring our lives to a quality of spiritual fulfillment uh, to to bring uh, those um, qualities to perfection. We can do that. This is what the, the ideal is, is suggesting to us, reminding us of our, uh, our potential and our capacities. But uh, we have to move, don't we? <laughs> we? We have the ideal at the center, but we, we have to come and go. We, uh, we have to, to eat and breathe and relate with other people. We have our own uh, karmic uh, uh, nuances for our life, the family relations, our particular history, our education, our uh, uh, memories of events of our life, um, the responsibilities that we have, the choices that we've made, and so on and so on and so on. There are many details of our, our lives that we have to deal with. This Buddha Rupa doesn't even have to worry about how the Sangha is faring or whether he has to establish any more rules. We, or, or what to say in the Dhamma talk this evening. <laughs> so when we, we uh, are uh, using ideals and then bringing that to, to, to bear uh, with our uh, experience of life, what we, we find is that we fail a lot. As human beings, we, we keep failing. We keep not meeting the ideal that we we don't have uh, perfect concentration. You know, our, our attention wanders off the the uh, uh, the um, object of the present awareness gets carried away in 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 various avenues of papancha, off into different. Uh, elaborations about the past, the future, um, drifting off into ideas and fantasies and anxieties, rewriting the history of past conversations, uh, scripting future conversations, and so on and so on. We, we keep missing the idea. We have you know, random emotions that we get swept up in, feelings of anger or grief or excitement, uh, greed, fear, jealousy, um, grief and uh, we keep losing it don't we again I'm not being psychic here <laughs> this is just statistics <laughs> this is just the laws of the laws of averages and statistics you know, as human beings this is the way we are uh, this is this is how things are for us that uh, we we can't sustain that ideal form because it, we're not ideal we're <laughs> We're humans, we're people. We're, so it doesn't mean that the ideal is not useful, but it means that uh, if we uh, don't um, relate to the ideal in a skillful way, then we can develop a, uh, a, a negative perception. If we, if, we take, if we believe in the ideal as how we really should be, and that if we don't meet that ideal, we're, we're somehow bad or stupid or, or uh, weak or uh, hopeless, then we're, we're mishandling the use of an ideal. Just as we have the ideal of the Rupa sitting in, here on the shrine in the middle of the hall to be a, a guiding uh, presence for us, 
but we recognize that you know we need to change our posture we need to come and go and that uh, that's not a, a weakness or, or something that's wrong it's just that's the human condition it's just common sense to us isn't it and in fact if somebody sat here for uh, since friday evening of uh, and hadn't moved, had been as, as still as the Buddha Rupa, I think probably most of us would be a bit concerned by now. <laughs> like, yeah, she hasn't she hasn't breathed <laughs> since August the thirty first. Yeah. I think there's something wrong here. Yeah. Yeah, we got a doctor in the house. <laughs> so um so it's important to learn how to fail well to learn how to fail in a good way, to, uh, to handle our, our tendency to lose it, to get lost, to get caught up, to, to miss the point. It's important that we learn how to, to work with that in a skillful way. To, uh, I like to use the phrase, we need to learn how to fail perfectly, to, become, to, be, to know how to be perfect failures. <laughs> So this doesn't mean that we don't try, or that uh, we are, uh, say, casual or, or sloppy or, or careless about what we do. But it's to do with how we work with the, the way things are. We, we work with our efforts, and we work with our, uh, you know, our aspirations, and we work with our limitations. Uh, the um, there's, there's a phrase that's used over and over again in the, the teachings, and particularly in the in the texts about the Vinaya, the, when the Buddha was establishing the monastic rules. You know, because each each rule that we have, it wasn't like that the Buddha sat down and just worked out a whole code um, and uh, and handed it over. But each each rule was conjured into being out of the uh, the needs of the community, in particular, events and and uh, uh, act, actions and and uh, behaviors, speech of of different uh, members of the nuns and, and monks community, and so that each rule came out of a particular circumstance. And uh, and oftentimes, when the Buddha is establishing a rule, and then and someone who's done something that they've they've uh, acted in a way that's destructive or hurtful or um, just weirdly <laughs> uh, confusing or um, totally inappropriate, then then there's this exchange that that, that comes uh, uh, that comes about. The the Buddha will often criticize that person and say, "Yeah, how could you how could you do that?" Oh, moga moga purisa is the frequent term. Moga purisa, which means, "Oh, foolish man." <laughs> Moga Purisa, foolish man. Yeah, how on earth could you do that? Um, and yeah, and so the um, then the the person who's who's misbehaved and usually will recognize. Yeah, I'm terribly sorry. I was, I was totally foolish when uh, I thought I was. Uh, it was be a good thing to to um, say. To punish that, that novice, to make to make uh, that, that novice uh, aware that he had really misbehaved. So, uh, I thought cutting his ears off would be a really good way to make sure he wouldn't forget the lesson. And the Buddha said, 
Mogapurisa, this is not this is not wise. You know, mutilating the novices for the sake of giving and teaching is is not to be done. In fact, it's only a minor offence to cut the ears off a novice. But, uh, even though you'd probably be jailed, um, well, you'd certainly be jailed nowadays. But, uh, so that uh, then, when the person recognises, yes, that was that was uh, that was foolish and that was stupid and, and that was a, a bit extreme, and uh, I, uh, it's a bit difficult to put them back on again now. But uh, very sorry that I, I cut the novice's ears off. But, uh, so then, the, then the Buddha would say, um, "Well, it, it's it's good that you recognise uh, your your misconduct and you see you see the fault." And then the phrase that is, that is crucial is, "For because to see our transgressions as such, and then to uh, establish the intention to set to set the intention to endeavour to do better in the future, this is called development, or this is called furtherance in the spiritual training in the." In the Dhamma and discipline of the Tathagata, so that's a very, a very helpful little phrase, and it comes across, come, comes up over and over again, and it's, and it's bringing to us the the, the spirit with which we, we uh, should relate. We can best relate to our mistakes when we do something stupid. Our own equivalence of cutting the ears off <laughs> people, or you know, shooting the neighbour because they've pruned your side of the hedge. Yeah, and you didn't want the hedge pruned. The um, that uh, you are um, you know, recognizing your fault as such. So you're acknowledging the transgression. You're not pretending that it hasn't happened. You're not pretending that you're not making excuses for yourself. Well, you know, he had it coming to him. I told him I didn't want that hedge pruned, and he says, "Yeah, but you shouldn't have shot him with a twelve bore." You know, <laughs> murdering your neighbour over a, a dispute with, uh, around the hedge is. Uh, is uh, far too extreme. So we recognize our transgression as such, and then endeavor to do better in the future. So that you're you're recognizing, yes, that was a shortcoming. Yeah, I blew it. I really lost it. That that was a stupid thing to do. I shouldn't. Have, and that was a, to say that or to do that was uh, unwise, unhelpful, um, and uh, and out of place. And then recognizing that, then. Uh, you take the um, the uh, the cue from that to then uh, guide your actions in the future in a different way. So that this uh, this is a lot to do with what is called hiriotapa, or arousing what's called hiriotapa or moral sensitivity, and the. Those of you who are familiar with the temple here at Amravati, uh, you see on the, on the doors as you go into the temple, there's a, there's a, a, seem, a seemingly a, a devatar painted on either side. There's a blue one and a red one. Um, and so these these two represent Hiri and Otapa. So and Hiri and Otapa are these two elements of, of moral sensitivity. So um, uh, Hiri is a, a sense of conscience. It's like when 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 I do something that's harmful, if I tell a lie, or I act in some kind of gross or indulgent way, or I'm um, uh, say selfish or or um, cruel to to somebody, when uh, when I'm aware of that that action, that uh, that deceit, then 
the hiri is that feeling of ow, it's that painfulness in our own heart that recognizes that that's cruel, that's selfish, that's greedy, that's unkind, that's inappropriate, that's indulgent. So it's a it's our, our conscience, in a way, our, our honor is another good word to think of it. It's our sense of of honor. And so, if we we tell a lie, or we are we are um, selfish and uh, and uh, greedy, we are um, destructive, then um, that uh, wounds our honor. That that is a, a blow to our sense of, of honor and integrity. So that is uh, hiri is that um, that quality of of honor or um, uh, say uh, conscience. And then uh, otapa. Uh, again, these, these are also the, there's different. You read different translations or different renderings of these, but this is the, the way I, I find the, the best to to um, describe them or uh, talk about them. So then otapa is more to do with when you see somebody else uh, acting harmfully. Uh, you you see someone else um, being cruel or unkind, or somebody you know clapping their their. Uh, Child around the head in the supermarket, you know that recoiling from um, from the un- unwholesome or seeing um, uh, reading about uh, you know, unskillful a- activities of different different people in the newspaper or people you know, um, suicide bombers you know, blowing people up and, and uh, that recoiling that withdrawing in the heart from from that that sense of of um, uh, painfulness is a uh, uh, that it comes from that uh, the presence of unwholesome action, uh, then that is that's otapa. So that's the and the the Buddha. I think it's in this uh, in this instance that he says it's like if you if you uh, drop a, a sinew like a, a a tendon, a sinew from a from the, an animal's muscle. If a, if a sinew is dropped into a into the fire, then it'll coil up and withdraw from the fire. It, it's naturally it'll just sort of shrink back from the from the heat. So, uh, in the same way, when the, the heart, in, uh, the the noble heart, when that encounters unwholesomeness, when, when around people who are who are lying or cheating or behaving unskillfully, then otapa is that which uh, withdraws from that and that which uh, recoils from that and says, "No thanks, I I don't want to be involved." You know, I, uh, or or how could people do that? Or that's that's painful to hear or to see or to, to know of that. So, in, in relating to our own uh, conduct and our own failures, um, then uh, uh, it's uh, really these qualities of uh, quality of hiriotapa that we're aiming to develop. And uh, sometimes this is it's translated as a sense of shame, and, and uh, within certain Western psychological circles, and the word shame is is a is a, a definite baddie. Like, no, no, you don't you don't want to feel shame. <laughs> But uh, I would, uh, I would say, don't be, don't be fooled by, uh, by that, because this is uh, when we, when we see our own actions that we've done something, uh, we've told, we've told a lie, or we've cheated, or we've uh, acted in a ways that are, are harmful, or greedy, or indulgent, or inappropriate. Um, to feel bad is, uh, is, is good. <laughs> that, that, that is a good pain. That uh, the Hiriotapa, they're called the Lokapala. That why they're standing by the doors of the temple. They're the they're the guardians of the world. 
Loka is the world and Pala is to protect. So Hiri and Otapa, they're the guardians of the world. They're the guardians of your heart. That pain is what protects our heart from, from being pulled into unskillful action. So um, just like physical pain protects our body, so that uh, if, you, if you're numb, you know, if you can't feel anything, then it's much easier to, to cut yourself or damage yourself. Or, uh, and there is a very rare medical condition that uh, sometimes people are born without the ability to, to feel pain at all. And uh, as I understand it, people who have that condition, they, they rarely live beyond the age of about 20 or 25 because they do so much damage to themselves, breaking bones and having infections and such like, that, that uh, the body is so sort of stressed and... and uh, and uh, had so much uh, harm done to it that uh, it, it just uh, can't survive that long. So physical pain, even though it's unpleasant, that unpleasantness is is good. It's useful because that's what protects us. When we when you you know you, you bash yourself, and then that ow that that uh, means don't do that again because <laughs> that uh, that's that's harmful. That's damaging. So pain is a protection, like fear is an unpleasant emotion, but it protects us. So pain protects the body. So hiriotapa protects the heart. So when we we um, we fall short, we uh, we we feel um, a sense of uh, a failure, um, particularly with our, our conduct uh, and the, the things that we do. Then um, don't be afraid of that feeling of of regret or or. Um, uh, or sorrow, because that's that's a, a useful thing, that's a helpful thing. <laughs> where it becomes problematic is where the self-view grabs hold of it, and then it gets turned into a guilt trip. So whereas uh, this cor- this kind of honor or moral sensitivity is a wholesome thing, then when the the uh, the ego gets hold of it, then self-view gets invested in that uh, that quality, then it, then it's uh, it's it turns into something quite toxic and problematic. So then uh, we uh, we look at ourselves, I'm a bad person, I'm a stupid person, I'm an awful person, I'm a rotten person. And we we create a lot of, of negativity, your self-criticism. And then that, uh, that, that's that uh, painfulness that comes from our own actions then becomes a, a, um, a real burden in the heart. And we... we uh, oppressed by the feelings of, of guilt and self-hatred and so forth. So then we can we can relate we can then deal with that in various different ways. We can justify ourselves and just um, become shameless. <laughs> Say, well get over it, you know. If the if uh, it's their problem if they uh, uh, they had it coming to them. And uh, and just sort of justifying your own uh, actions through sort of bloody minded uh, self centeredness. Or we can just um, and go around hating ourselves, <laughs> or we can drink ourselves stupid just to try and forget the whole thing. Uh, none of those uh, I would recommend, because <laughs> they don't really work. But more helpful is to to learn how to relate to that sense of of um, regret and uh, remorse, or that sense of of uh, painfulness in the heart. To, just as in that that uh, exchange with. I was describing with the Buddha to to see our transgression as such, and then to use that um, in a way that the painfulness of having got it wrong, the painfulness of having missed our shot, the painfulness of of that um, hiri, the, that to be an inspiration to do better in the future. Just like you know, by you know bashing my finger on the on the bell, 
But okay, remember this has got a this has got a a, a, a hard edge there, and if I bash it, it's going to hurt. So you know that that will teach me to avoid doing too much of that in the future. So that that painfulness then teaches us; it becomes a a guide and a resource. Now, even if it's not around um, uh, unwholesome or unskillful actions and speech, even if it's just feelings of failure about not being able to, to concentrate on your meditation, you know, not being uh, very wise, or, or um, just ordinary everyday shortcomings, um, you know, not being very good at your job, or, or not being a, a very good uh, parent or student or abbot. <laughs> but uh, the uh, where even where it's not concerned with anything to do with with uh, morality uh, or uh, that dimension, but just our basic effectiveness in various tasks and activities as a person, in a sense, it works in the in the same way. Just it's important to 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 recognize that we can see our shortcomings and and without, on the one hand, veering towards just self-justification and and trying to you know, uh, to convince yourself that it's all fine and good and that your your imperfections are beautiful, <laughs> or you're you know having done a you know, a lousy job with something, or it doesn't you don't really need to have a, you don't really need to to concentrate or develop insight in order to be happy. You know? that just be yourself. <laughs> all this meditation stuff is really a waste of time. Just because you don't feel that you're very good at it, so you, you kind of you rewrite the the script of the natural order to fit your preferences, which we can easily do. <laughs> so uh, avoiding doing that, but just recognizing, well, uh, yeah, I'm not very good at concentrating, and I don't have a uh, don't have a lot of insight, but um, yeah, I can see that uh, that would be helpful if that could be developed. Now, how can I go about? And, and I feel. A sense of shortcomings because I do get so distracted and I do get caught up. So, what can I do in order to to work with that? What can I do to guide my mind towards uh, to what uh, to be more composed or to develop more of a, um, uh, a profound and and uh, uh, solidly based quality of of uh, concentration, attention, more of a a solidly based quality of wisdom in my life. How can I do that? So that you are you're not veering towards self justification or self hatred, but more taking that um, that shortcoming, that that failing or that that uh, uh, that imperfection, quote unquote, as uh, a a cue to to see how we can do better, to to what, see what skillful means we can develop in order to um, say bring more wholesome and helpful qualities into our life and to be a blessing to ourselves and to a blessing to others. So what this is about, what this is about in many respects is learning how to forgive ourselves for not being a Buddha <laughs> or not, not, uh, not being perfect and also learning how to forgive others for them not being perfect either. And uh, so, this in in Buddhist practice, and in, in particularly in the social side of Buddhist practice, living in community, then forgiveness is a big uh, a big part of how we relate to each other. 
many of you are probably familiar how at uh, say at the end of a, a retreat like this then there's a custom of asking for forgiveness or when uh, in the monasteries we uh, when people have been staying in one place for a particular length of time you know, a few months and then they they go off to uh, live in a different place or at the end of a, a time when we've all been in say, retreat together, then at the end of that retreat, or when someone's going off to live in a different place, then there's a formal asking for forgiveness that you do, a little ceremony that you that you go through. And in that ceremony, uh, what you say is, um, uh, whatever I have done through um, through the three doors of body, speech, and mind that has been uh, hurtful or um, inappropriate, and has been uh, uh, uncomfortable or to cause discomfort or suffering for you um, to the to the teacher or whoever it might be, uh, then I ask your forgiveness. So uh, whatever I've done intentionally or unintentionally through body, speech, or mind that has been hurtful to you, I ask for your forgiveness from, for that. So even if you can't think of anything that you might have done, <laughs> that it's like a, 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 a way of, of clearing the slate. So I'm not sure if I've done anything that's been uh, harmful or hurtful, um, or or maybe you are aware of something harmful that you've done, <laughs> that you've been sitting there uh, radiating irritation and, and uh, <laughs> blame and criticism to the, te- to the teacher for the last three months. Yeah. So, uh, But even if you haven't knowingly uh, done anything uh, harmful or negative, then it's a, a way of humbling ourselves and and and, and say so recognizing yeah when we live together with other people when we share a life together in the same family in the same place in the same work situation wherever it might be that we affect each other we we uh, we cause uh, offense to each other we hurt each other often without even having a clue that we're doing that without being aware of that and then um, this is a way of recognizing, you know, whatever I might have done uh, that has been hurtful to you, please forgive me. And then the the, the teacher or the the elder, who's um, the 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 one who's being asked for forgiveness, then they respond, "I forgive you, and please forgive me also." Um, and so they're recognizing that that even in the they're in a a role of seniority or being a teacher or being an authority figure that they too can uh, easily cause pain and offense and difficulty in, in others and so it's a, a a very beautiful and important part of this this ceremony and this practice that the 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 teacher or the senior person they also recognizes that even without their any kind of negative intention that they are very likely to be causing pain and difficulty to others around them and so that um if you are, um, even if you are uh, someone who's regarded as a totally enlightened being, or you're, you've been uh, um, ordained for fifty years, and the people who are doing the ceremony are are, are lay people or just or newly ordained uh, monastics, still, even though someone who's so senior or or regarded as having such a, a high, exalted spiritual state, they'll still say, "I forgive you, and please forgive me also," because. Uh, even the Buddha recognized that things that he said were uh, unpleasant or painful to uh, to others, and that uh, that that was not always uh, easy to to bear. So it's a, a very beautiful and, and skillful way of of recognizing 
how um, we can all uh, cause pain and difficulty to each other, and how when we're parting company, it's good to clear the slate, and so to to um, not be carrying anything around. So this uh, is is a formalized exchange, but uh, and it can be just an empty recitation of words, but it's also a very good opportunity to watch your own mind because as you are as you are bowing and reciting these words, acharya pamadena dwarata yena katang, etc. If there if there is something that you do not want to forgive, <laughs> that you're a nice resentment and a grudge that you're nursing about, you know that guy. <laughs> That will come up as you are reciting the words, saying, "You know, I, uh, uh, I forgive you. Uh, 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 please forgive me for any of my shortcomings." And uh, any kind of grudge or spite or, or resentment that is is there, that will be illuminated. That uh, there's something that you don't want to forgive, <laughs> you don't want to let go of, or something that you you want to hang on to. And so that even if you can't quite drop it, then then you realize, oh, right. <laughs> Still got a stone in my shoe here. There's still this uh, something that's that's being carried around. So this this kind this quality of forgiveness, um, in this respect, it can be a a, a stylized uh, ritual, uh, has a form, but it's also pointing to an ongoing practice of how we relate to each other. Uh, the people that you work with, the people in your families, you know, how many of us carry grudges around to our, our neighbors or the, the, the people in the country next door, you know, you know, that lot across the border, you know, them, <laughs> you know, and, you know, people here, here from many, many different countries, you know, from obviously a few from Britain, but others from, from Italy, from Romania, from America, from Thailand, Bulgaria, all over the place, you know. We 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 each have our own uh, Ireland. We each have our own uh, national tendencies, or you know, that lot on the other side of the border that uh, we can relate to, uh, or even if it's uh, in our neighbour, you know, the <laughs> in our neighbourhood, the that person that, you know, in the house next door, you know, who just cut my fen- you know, just cut my hedge down without asking, you know, that uh, we can carry around a lot of grudges and resentments, whether it's on a national basis or a family basis or, or a neighborly basis. And uh, the people that we work with, um, you know, our, our uh, negativity, our uh, sort of resentments that we can carry around in the work world. I remember reading uh, in the um, quite a few years ago, and the, the San Francisco Chronicle has a big science section yeah, quite comprehensive reports sometimes. There was a, a, a big report about two different sets of astronomers um, who at the time, they were trying uh, to uh, establish these different um, uh, uh, measurements of, of various different astronomical activity to finally pin down the exact rate at which the universe was expanding. And um, so this was to... Uh, there was you know, one lot that was... Um, Setting something up in in uh, the Pacific and another lot that was I think in in uh, South America, and uh, they were interviewing one of the scientists who was who was leading this particular group, and these two groups were were, were vying with each other and they're trying to get their, their their experiments done and get the their, their data published so that they will be the ones who pin down for once once and for all exactly the the nature of the Big Bang and the the uh, rate of expansion of the universe and so on. 
And uh, this this fellow made this wonderful comment that stu stuck in my mind. He said, you know, they say that gravity is supposed to be the most powerful force in the universe, but I disagree. Professional jealousy is actually the most powerful force in the universe. <laughs> that was very insightful. Well, he deserves to get the prize. <laughs> So we can carry those resentments around that lot, you know, the the other the other group, that company, you know, or that family, or that uh, that person in our family who's sort of made off with all of grandma's inheritance. You know. you know, we we can carry grudges around and negativity and and spite within us, and uh, and cause ourselves a lot of pain over over the years, and, and telling ourselves stories and continually reiterating and, and reviving. Uh, negativity and resentment, and so that uh, forgiveness is uh, is a lot to do with being able to to drop that, to to not carry that around, to not carry resentments and grudges around. Uh, that uh, <coughs> uh, and that can be difficult for us. That can be a, a painful thing because we can. <laughs> it can be our. It can be very precious to us. Our you know, unrequited. Uh, uh, resentment, you know, that, that uh, a grudge that we've been carrying around for for years and years, and uh, blaming the other, blaming the, the this member of our family, or blaming the, the, our bosses, or blaming the, the the government or the the country next door. And uh, but yet, if we want to grow up spiritually, we need to learn how to to let go, to to forgive, and to 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 put things down. Even though we we do like to identify with with our with with them, you know the 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 enemy or the, those who are to be complained about. You know, we we uh, today was talking about how the the English love to have a good grumble. You know, complaining is the national pastime. Often complaining about the weather, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's not just confined to the British. That uh, uh, we we can uh, all of us get a a sense of identity. Um, and a sense of worth about criticizing the other or blaming the other or carrying resentments around about the other. Uh, again, uh, I was uh, very struck many years ago now, during the time when um, uh, Mr. Gorbachev was in power in Russia, and um, he was launching these uh, uh, Glasnost and Perestroika, the, the um, sort of revisioning the the Soviet Union as it was then, and uh, sort of decommissioning the the communist influence and uh, and so trying to uh, to convince the world that they were sincere and they were, on this particular trip they were in America and uh, they were visiting um, Washington uh, DC and apparently there was this this meeting that they had in in Washington and I think it was I believe it was at the Pentagon and they're all sitting around this this uh, this large table is high up political officials and and the uh, the Russian foreign minister was uh, uh, called uh, Shevardnadze, and he was uh, leading the discussion at that particular point. And so the Americans were extremely suspicious about the, the this whole Glasnost and Perestroika and what was going on and what the Russians really had planned, because up to that point, the, the arm, if you remember, the arms race and <laughs> mutually assured destruction, you know, the the multiplying of, of huge amounts of nuclear missiles and so on. And uh, 
Gorbachev, with great vision, had realized this is totally ridiculous and we're wasting all our national resources. You know, we can't afford to keep doing this and this is totally pointless. But the Americans didn't trust that. They thought that the, the Russians uh, had something up their sleeve. And uh, as I, I, re I read the report of, the, of this meeting, the account, that uh, at a certain point um, it came to, to be the uh, opportunity for Mr. Shevardnadze to speak and and uh, he, he got the microphone and said, and sort of looked around the table, and with uh, some sort of, some degree of theatricality, he looked around the table and he said, "We are going to do something terrible to you." <laughs> and so then the American officials say, "Okay, here it comes now. Now you know they've got this secret weapon." You know. That they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna unveil now that uh, they're gonna really uh, they they know they've got us cornered, and so he looked around, waiting for the sort of pregnant pause to get just to the right pitch, and he said, "We are going to deprive you of an enemy." <laughs> Which was not what the American officials were expecting. Yeah, we're gonna deprive uh, we're gonna deprive you of an enemy. And so uh, it was uh, very skillfully done, <laughs> but it was true, you know, that the the, uh, the uh, Americans got a lot of national identity out of the communist threat, <laughs> and so they they have they uh, that with that being unplugged, uh, then um, and I know this is a sweeping statement, but uh, have you noticed that communism is not a big problem anymore, but terrorism? Is and the the, you know, the Muslim threat, you know, have become them. <laughs> it's become the, the the dreadful them that threaten our, our lives because communism is not fulfilling that role anymore. I mean, I don't, won't get into to politics, but just uh, uh, seeing how we uh, can easily develop a sense of identity on a national scale or on a personal level, level, carrying around those kind of pet hatreds for each other for the system. For our bosses, or for our family members, our, uh, whoever it might be, our, our pet, our pet hate them, her or him, it. But how cramped and how painful that is to to carry those things around, and how much more beautiful it is to to let go, how much more helpful to forgive and to to not nurse those those hatreds even though it gives us a sense of identity that's only just like the comfort the comfort of a of a preferred self view and that when we let go of, of uh, if we're trying to let go of self view and let go of that habit of identification we don't need some hatred in order to, to to be in place in order to to make us feel more alive to make us you know, give us a, a sense of identity that we are we're moving away from all of all of that dimension letting go of all of that so to forgive, uh, to to uh, um, let go, and to to drop our, uh, our hatreds and resentments, it's a great blessing to ourselves. It's a freedom from our own for our own heart, and it's also a blessing for the people around us. Uh, there's an interesting um, aspect of the uh, the word um, for uh, for forgiveness in the in the. Thai language, the word for forgiveness is apai. So to ask for forgiveness is ko apai. And apai in Thai comes from the Pali word abhaya, which means fearless. 
So uh, I was living in in uh, a Bayagiri monastery in California. In fact, I even I even gave it its name. <laughs> and so many Thai people would think that the name of the monastery was Forgiveness Mountain, rather than Fearless Mountain, because they'd see they'd see Apaya. Well, oh, what Apaykiri? They think, oh, that must be must be Forgiveness Mountain. But the the name was intended to be um, Fearless Mountain. And you uh, and and so you might be wondering, well, what's the relationship between forgiveness and fearlessness? Well, uh, the Buddha talked about various different kinds of generosity. So amisadana is the giving of material gifts, but uh, abhayadana is the giving of fearlessness. And uh, so that uh, the way that you you give fearlessness is like you uh, you stop being a threat. To others, so you offer others the, the the gift of fearlessness by you not being uh, aggressive towards them, or you not acting in a way that's going to harm them or threaten them or their property or their their well-being in any way. So, um, by forgiving others, by not carrying around resentments towards them, you are giving them a tremendous amount of space. They don't have to be afraid of you. Others don't need to be afraid of you because you're not carrying around anything. Negative in, uh, about them. Does that make sense? So that uh, you are that. This is how fearlessness and, and forgiveness are, uh, are uh, say unified. Because if I'm not um, carrying about around any grudges, any negativity um, uh, towards any of you, then you don't have to be afraid of me. You don't have to think, "Oh, what's he thinking? What's he? <laughs> yeah, he does, he really doesn't like me." You know, he, he's got it in for me, or uh, he, he's he's got that look about him. You know, he's uh, he's really sort of resentful. He doesn't like uh, he doesn't like my kind of a person. Or if, uh, if you know that no, he's not carrying anything around. He's not got any kind of negativity. There's no grudge. There's no bias. There's no prejudice there. When you come in contact with a person who's not not uh, carrying that around, how do you feel? You're, you're glad to see that that kind of a person. You're you're content. You feel fearless. You don't have to be protecting yourself or armoring yourself in, in, in any way. So this is a, a, a some an aspect of Buddhist teaching and practice that isn't talked about very much. But abhayadana, that giving of fearlessness, is uh, is a, a very beautiful way of operating in the world. So that the people in your family, the people that you work with, the people on the street, you know, that uh, to be able to um, they put out signals and, and to relate to others where they don't need to be afraid of you. They don't need to be um, concerned about what you're uh, what you're carrying around. That uh, that you are offering them the opportunity to to live free from from fear and free from negativity and free from from uh, from harm coming uh, from you. So this is and and the Buddha said this abhayadana is a is a superior kind of giving. It's a it's a more noble and and uh, abundant giving than than the giving of material gifts to give others the 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 blessing of security and safety, freedom from fear, is a a uh, is a greater blessing than any kind of material offering that you can give them. So forgiving others and not carrying around grudges um, for others um, you know, might seem 
like a lot of work <laughs> and to, to let go of, of uh, a negativity or opinions or judgments about about others typecasting others um, uh, of uh, different political persuasions or different nationalities or, or whatever our biases our mind moves towards but often the most difficult person to forgive of course is ourself but, uh, you know I've been talking a lot about forgiving others and, and letting go of that but uh, letting go, forgiving ourselves for, for not being perfect, forgiving us uh, ourselves our own failings, forgiving ourselves for not being uh, as uh, as wise and good and as noble and as as uh, as as good looking as a Buddha. That's harder, isn't it? That uh, particularly uh, in uh, in our cultural conditioning in the West, we can be. Uh, extraordinarily, uh, viciously critical of ourselves to a degree that we would never even be remotely that critical of, of others. And so, in a, in a strange way, learning how to forgive um, is, in a sense, more important to learn how to do that in relationship to ourselves than for others, because it's harder to forgive ourselves for not being perfect, not being the, the ideal mother or father or the uh, the uh, the perfect person, the perfect meditator, you know, the perfect uh, monk or nun. And we can be really hard on ourselves, and that, uh, and probably during this this last uh, ten days or so that we spent together, you uh, you felt some self-critical thoughts, and blaming yourself and criticizing yourself for for being uh, lazy or stupid or, or um, uh, selfish or greedy or. Uh, all kinds of uh, varieties of, of, of shortcomings that we've uh, all probably experienced. Again, I'm not reading your mind. <laughs> this is just the law of averages at work again. So that uh, uh, that hard uh, that hard heartedness, that sort of fierce and almost vicious criticism of ourselves, it's important to to look at that and uh, to to uh, Offer that quality of, of forgiveness and uh, lack uh, of, of grudge or negativity towards ourselves. So, one little exercise that I like to to um, to teach and, and to suggest in in relationship to this: if you if you do have a, a habit of self criticism, blaming yourself, criticizing yourself, hating yourself, or feeling guilty for not being a a, a good father, a good mother, you know, good child, a good friend, a good student, good teacher, <laughs> is uh, um, so I'll use Victor as an example. So so, <clears throat> so if I'm talking to Victor, and, and, and Victor so, says to me, oh, Ajahn Amaru, I've got this terrible problem with uh, self-hatred, I'm so, I feel I'm so awful, I'm so bad, I'm so useless, and I'm such a kind of lazy, selfish, greedy, angry, jealous cruel, horrible person. So, and so, um, uh, you know, I really hate myself. And so, <clears throat> I say, well, um, so then, what I would say is, uh, okay, well, well, imagine, so, so Victor, imagine Victor is your friend. Don't worry about who you are at this point, but <laughs> imagine Victor is your friend, and your friend Victor comes up to you one day and says, um, Oh, I feel so bad about myself. You know, I was standing in the queue at the supermarket and I was 
uh, having all these negative thoughts towards this this man in front of me in the queue and and uh, and so uh, you know I feel so awful I had these these kind of violent and and, and nasty thoughts and and so I just I've been carrying it around all day and I feel so awful um, so if if your friend Victor came to you and said that yeah uh, how uh, how would you respond or what would you feel in relationship to to uh, your friend Victor coming to you and and saying how uh, how how bad and how awful he was, what does the heart do immediately? To me, or my experience is that immediately the heart moves towards compassion. So don't worry, it's not that bad. I mean, everyone gets impatient in the queue at the at the uh, at the supermarket. You know, this to be expected. Yeah, yeah, you're a nice person. You know, how how could you carry that around all day long and and uh, create so much negativity and hatred? So again, this is this is a simple exercise, but if you carry it out, uh, it's extraordinary. Just to say, you know, if if uh, if you were your own best friend, you know, if, if Sheila was your friend, or if Una was your friend, Paddy was your friend, Gerardine was your friend, and then they came to you and said, "Oh, I'm so awful! I'm so dreadful! I can't believe you know what I, I spend so much time just um, caught up in these you know horrible mind states." The mind immediately moves to compassion, to kindness, to forgiveness, just without a second thought. If you were, if you were your best friend, and your best friend came to you and, and spilled out all these horrible things they've been thinking and feeling, you immediately go to, it's not that bad, you're a nice person, oh, don't worry about it, here, have a cup of tea, I'll put the kettle on. <laughs> this is England, you know, so. <laughs> the primary way of, of handling suffering. <laughs> put the kettle on. There is dukkha, put the kettle on. <laughs> so this, uh, and again, this is another of these little exercises I like to encourage. It's very simple, but it's astonishing how effective it is if you if you put yourself into it. And and just to, to notice how absolutely immediately the mind moves towards compassion there's no question you know if somebody came you know if, if victor came to you and said oh i had these really negative thoughts about this person in front of me in the queue at the, at the supermarket you know i feel so bad would you say yeah you should do that's terrible how could you do that i, I don't think i want to be your friend anymore you know quite frankly I've, I've had enough you know i don't want to be associated with people like that who have Nasty thoughts about people in the queue at the supermarket. I'm sorry, but you can't be my friend anymore. That's it. I'm, we're finished. You know, how many of us would do that? You know, if somebody did that, you'd, you'd, you'd feel they were deranged. Like, well, wow, that's you know, they've totally lost it. You know, that to even think that way, even just inventing it, I'm just sort of making it up as I'm speaking it. But even just saying the words, it sounds totally weird, doesn't it? How can anybody think like that? Like, so, but yeah, we think about like that. We think like that about ourselves. <laughs> so, just to notice how automatic, how there's no second thought when the mind goes to forgiveness. To you know, don't make a big thing out of it. That's fine. You're you're a good person. You're a lovely person. You're 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 very you know, kind and compassionate. You just don't don't worry about it. Drop it. Leave it alone. So that uh, I feel is a is a uh, 
an important lesson for us for us to learn and then um to be able to to say listen to those inner voices the, the voice of the inner critic and to to be very patient and respectful <laughs> towards the inner critic you know that they work very hard <laughs> they put in a lot of hours during the course of a day you know, categorizing all of our faults and, and uh, the inner critic is is very active but just to politely and respectfully listen and say well thank you for sharing <laughs> as they say in california and uh, and just leaving it politely to one side and and then just not being not letting our actions or our speech be dominated by that inner critic and the feelings of self-hatred and but more just learning to um to act from a place of, of mindfulness and wisdom attuning yourself to the, the present situation letting go of, of self-concern and also letting go of that feeling of uh, our actions or what we do or what we say being guided by what they think like the external partners of the inner critic <laughs> like the the kind of they're, they're the sort of um uh the uh the outside representatives of the inner critic the mysterious them you know, what they will think about me as a as a monk or as a uh, as a teacher or as a mother or as a father or as a as a child to not be c- uh, concerned about what they think <laughs> what they will say because they don't really exist <laughs> just like the inner critic it's just these phantom creations of the mind and to uh to not feel like you have to justify yourself or explain yourself or or um to be driven by anxiety about blame or, or negativity from others yeah. when I, I was uh, talking the other day about the the amount of effort i had to put into to work with my anxiety habits and and uh as always I'm a, i'm a compulsive pleaser I always want to make everybody happy. I want to please people all the time, and and I realized I was completely uh, addicted to approval and pleasing people. And if uh, and if if I said something or did something that people didn't like, then I would I'd be completely shattered. So in the morning, we used to have the morning meeting every day in the sala, and Lumpur Zameda would, would we'd kind of sort out the community business, and Lumpur would extemporize on some dumber theme for half an hour or forty minutes. Well, our tea got cold, <laughs> and some of you will remember those wonderful mornings, and glorious times. And so, in the the whole community would be gathered around every morning. And I began to notice during this period that if I if I said something that was sort of you know wise and witty and sort of on the mark, and everyone sort of ah oh, sort of laughed and smiled, and and I'd feel this incredible glow, like oh, <laughs> like, so the, the cat that got the cream. Warm flush. Mm. You know, Amaro scored a point. Ding. Good. Happy day. But if I said something that was supposed to be wise or witty or appropriate, and it just went totally flat, and everyone started, sort of looked at the carpet or, you know, picked up their tea and looked away, then I'd be the breaking into a million pieces feeling. And so I realized that I was, I was. Uh, very dependent on approval and uh, terrified of disapproval and so uh seeing that and recognizing that that uh, i was uh, i was had made this this whole sort of 
structure in my mind, worrying about what they think and what they, uh, what, um, how they feel. And so, uh, as part of, of letting go of self-view, it's letting go of other view as well. <laughs> and uh, and so, I, I, in in that development of, of freeing the heart from anxiety, and uh, I uh, I worked very uh, deliberately on uh, on letting go of others' opinions. And so, obviously, you're trying to be wise and mindful and and uh, live in an honourable way. But what I would say to myself is, just do what you do. And let the world make of it what it will. Just do what you do, and let the world make of it. Let the world judge it as it will. And to not be so pushed around by people's opinions and or imagined opinions and, and views and approval or disapproval. And so, what that is uh, t- tied up with is le- allowing yourself to be misunderstood. This is a very profound practice. <laughs> To let yourself be misunderstood or let yourself be misrepresented. So you're not always jumping in to try and explain yourself or, or fix things, as I was saying the other day, but just to, uh, to let people have a negative opinion of you and not feel you have to jump in and fix it. To, to, if there's a signal that somebody doesn't quite like you or doesn't approve or is not totally happy about something that you've done or said, you don't have to sort of anxiously jump in and, and try and make it all alright. But just and it was a tremendous effort to just leave it alone and say, okay, well that's their opinion, fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. If they wanna they wanna believe that, that's fine. Maybe it'll change, maybe it won't. But you don't have to carry it around. And that um, that's also a kind of giving, You're giving yourself space, giving others space, and uh, that there's a, a tremendous um, freedom in that. Again, it takes a lot of of effort, a lot, a lot of a lot of work, but it's very um, uh, uh, it's very spacious and very peaceful, and a quality of contentment that is realised when we do that. So, I would really encourage in this, in terms of forgiving yourself your shortcomings, not creating a, a whole image in the mind about what others think of you. But just learning to trust, have faith, and confidence in your own good-heartedness, to uh, to be um, doing the best you can, to be mindful and wise, and then just leave it be. Do what you do, and let the world make of it what it will. Not to be callous or or kind of <laughs> indifferent or like <laughs> uh, kind of dismissive, but uh, just not carrying the whole, the opinion of the whole world around. Just giving yourself uh, more space and giving others space to have their own opinions. It, people are totally at liberty not to like you. <laughs> they, 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 quite a lot of people didn't like the Buddha. They have very uh, uh, strong objections to the Buddha. It's impossible, again, going to the, to the statistics, it's impossible to be liked by every single person on the planet. Nobody's ever achieved that. So why do you think that you should be the first one? crazy isn't it so there's going to be a few people who don't like us a lot who are totally indifferent but it's not uh, we don't have to carry that around people don't want to like us fine that's their business so on that note the the risk of going on too long so you won't like me (laughs) it's 9.42 oh Gone over the mark, so 
I will offer these thoughts for your consideration this evening.